in this week's episode, we'll be talking about... What it feels like to have live spiders crawling around in your belly while a huge part of your body gets ripped off. Spoiler alert, it's not great. I don't want to be here anymore. Welcome to Circle Yerk, the only Animorphs podcast recorded entirely in the nude. I'm Barry. I'm Shawnee, and I am wearing clothes, so I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> I was trying to throw you off a little, see if you'd zig a zag. Shawnee, I've got some questions for you. I was afraid you would. Shawnee, before we summarize where we're at so far, could you possibly tell me why do the Yerks go into the Yerk pool? To charge their Dracon beams. You're to I'll, half credit. To mate. To You're getting colder drink now. Water. I don't know. To soak up the Kendrona rays. I was so close. You, you were, and then you got off track, so I take your half point back. Well, that's not fair. The Kendrona rays are uh, what they get on their homeworld. It is where they get their nutrients from. Of course, naturally. They have to go in every how often? Six hours. I, I'm guessing six hours is not the correct answer. It is every three days well every three days has multiple six hour periods so. you're i was gonna say you're not wrong but you are <laughs> um shiny could you give me a list so far proper names included when applicable oh god of the animals the team <laughs> has morphed into up to date oh god i'm so stressed out now the cat whose name is muppet garfield <laughs> <laughs> Um, I literally don't remember at all. <laughs> what? Why are we doing the show? Because Why, it's why funny. are we doing this? What's the point? Because it's funny. The cat was named Dude. Obviously. And there was an, uh, another couple of animals. Well, it's Cassie's family veterinary clinic where they've been fondling the animals to see, right? So I, I think s- you meant fostering. Shut up. Was there a horse? Okay, Maybe? boom. Boom, you got two out of four. Cat oh and a horse. Uh, I would assume like a bird of some kind. Yes, yes. I, you know what? I'll give you that. That's good enough is uh, Tobias's red-tailed hawk. Okay. I have no idea what the last one is. Uh, think the Odyssey. The Odyssey by Homer? I don't know. Homer, she... the name of Jake's dog. Homer, yes, you got it. You're right, <laughs> Shawnee. That's all four. All right, two more questions. Oh, right. Then we'll right, get started. Right. We gave mental anguish to the dog. I got it, got it, got it. Yes, yes. Um, Pet shield. Yes. All right. This is multiple choice question. What is the name of the animal that Visser 3 transformed into before eating Prince Alfangor? I will give you the multiple choice options. Okay. Is it A, an Alderaan Marsh? B, an Antarian bog. Antarian bog. I'm very confident with my answer. So remember the bit when I said, let me read all the choices before you answer? <laughs> I got really excited because I know the correct answer. I'm sorry. Let's I'm going to continue. Answer. C, an Andorian swamp, or D, an Argentinian wetland. You're correct. It was an Antarian bog. See, I remember some stuff. Yes, yes. You remember just in time <laughs> to step on a joke. Uh... 
And last question, Shawnee. What do you say if you are ever approached by a cop? Are you a controller? That would maybe give yourself away. I, I would say, you say... Am I being detained? I, I politely <laughs> decline to answer any questions without a lawyer present in case you are your controller. Obviously. <laughs> All right. Well, where do we leave off? Jake's brother is evil. Jake's brother is almost certainly a controller. Head honcho controller. Jake punched Marco in the face for implying that his brother was a controller. And... Do you think Jake's family has a Blue Lives Matter flag on their front lawn? I, I don't know enough about his family to get that, that vibe yet. Um, Blue Lives, by the way, don't don't exist. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't. It's a job. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting a little political. So Marco still doesn't want to fight. Tobias has his resolve to fight steeled. He wants to kill all the Yerks. Mm-hmm. Jake is preparing to lead the group, and the women have no voices. Of course not. <laughs> no, why, why would they? they? <laughs> uh, so Marco puts it together that the cop was definitely a controller, right? Yeah. And he mentioned that he's part of the sharing. Tom's probably a controller, and Tom, he Jake's goes brother. to the sharing. Jake's brother. Very good. So we're seeing a common theme here, a link between controllers and the sharing. Mm-hmm. So they decide they're going to check this out. Now, Marco doesn't want to be a part of this. And he says to Jake, yeah, fine, let's see how you like it when it's your own brother you might have to destroy. Does Marco have a brother? Marco does not have a brother. He is an only child, and as we recalled in last week's episode, he lost his mother. She drowned... And his father, his life is shattered, and Marco is really the only thing keeping him alive right now. Jake to- takes a moment to realize, you know, he-, he is pretty privileged, after all. Tobias has no real family to speak of. Marco lost his mom. Rachel and Cassie are both just women. So he's realizing, you know, he doesn't get other people's struggles. Um, and now that it hits home that his brother might be a controller, it- things seem a little different for him. But he needs to push through this. There's no one else that can rely on. He has to move forward, even if it means he has to kill Tom. Wow, that was a very quick uh, growth moment for Jake. But he decides first, they need to get some more information. They decide that tonight's going to be the night they go and investigate the sharing. Jake tells Tom that Marco, Cassie, and Rachel, and he are going to the sharing. Tobias will be there as well, but, quote, in a different way. What if they had other plans, Jake? You can't just drop a Google Cal invitation (laughs) on people. 12 hours beforehand. That was pretty inconsiderate of him. It really is. Yeah, yeah. They have lives to, you know, just to assume that they'll be free that night. Yeah, what if they have an exam the next day, okay? Uh, Well, Tom is enthusiastic about the news that they are going to the sharing. Uh, He talks about what a great time they're going to have. They hang out on the beach. They have a bonfire. They play night volleyball. This is how all MLM first meetings. Oh, yeah. Pitches start. Yeah. Uh, the sharing's great. You guys are going to love it so much. There's going to be snacks and a bonfire. And then all of a sudden you know you're in a windowless conference room and they're asking you to sell socks. Do, do you remember? Do you remember that short stint? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't, I'm very embarrassed. I don't want to talk about it, but I was uh, involved in multi-level marketing for a and brief I amount of time. immediately. Everybody did. Yeah, you didn't believe any of us. Well, all I needed was two friends to sign on, (laughs) and I would have been a millionaire. So they all walk down to the sharing, because it's happening on the beach. Tobias turns into a hawk and flies there, and they see a ton of people there. They're out playing games, having a barbecue, eating some ribs. What are the vegans getting? 
Well, I was just going to say, I, I have a feeling that once you get the ability to turn into animals, there's a very short period of time between that and going vegan. Like, I can't imagine ribs being appetizing once you've actually been a pig or a cow. Been a rib. <laughs> yeah, had a rib. Well, we do have ribs. But yeah, it does seem like Cassie strikes me as someone who's already a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think like becoming animals would, would and, and especially like empathizing with them and getting their perspective would right. probably change a few things in your, in your human life. Mm. Um, but the sharing just seems like a normal good old time. Talks, Tom talks about how cool it is and i'd like to take actually a moment to to give credit where credit is due i've been both reading the physical copies of the books and listening to the audiobooks and they're narrated by this this dude mcleod andrews who i'd never heard of before wait 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 wait. his first name is mcleod yes are you sure he's not a villain in an 80s high school movie uh when i heard mcleod i immediately thought the highlanders Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. Too. That's that's the last name. But no, it's a, it's a McLeod Andrews. I think you can only be an actor, a poet, or a porn star. Oh, that yeah. That kind of a name. Yeah. Meteorologist. Eh, two on the nose. But he does such an excellent job of giving the characters their own, like, their own distinct personalities really shine through his voice acting without being, like, over the top. I just think he, he does a really great job. Yeah, and of course, you don't need a female um, audiobook narrator because the women don't get any lines. Well, and again, I did know until very recently that you could have more than one person recording an audiobook. It was when when I read when when I listened to Ice Planet Barbarians. I know. And it was such a jarring experience because I've I've rarely listened to audiobooks, but everyone I have before has had one. Yeah, you've listened to boring ones. It was uh, oh no, well, no no the um, Jim Butcher Jim Butcher books Oof. were great, but like when you have books with you know, 40, 50 characters happening, some of them being Chinese or Native American people. And, like, that's a whole weird thing for, like, Spike from Buffy to try to handle <laughs> tastefully on his own. I think he did as, as good a job as he could have. Tom says, uh, hey, the sharing isn't all just fun and games, you know. Once you're a full member, it could, do, it could do all kinds of things to help you. And then I really thought of Market America there. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was yeah, it. Once you once you become the controller, wait, I, don't even, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even have a joke because the physics of this whole transformation make no sense to me. Well, Jake asks, how do you become a full member? And Tom shows him the knives he has to sell. No, <laughs> no he says, uh, oh, that'll come later. You see, first you have to become an associate member. This isn't a joke. This is actually what Tom says. <laughs> okay. No, no, it's not a bit. Then the leaders will decide whether you should become a full member. And once you're a full member, the whole world changes. <laughs> now we get to my favorite part in the entire fucking book. Okay. This part. Ah, chills, Shani. He says the whole world changes. And for a moment, Tom's face freezes and twitches. And for a split second, you get a look of fear in his eyes. And he's looking directly at Jake. It's described as him kind of like trying to shake his head, but not being able to. Mm. Like someone else was looking through his eyes for a moment. For a split second, and then went back to normal. So Mm. Tom had a full-on get-out moment. Yep. Yeah, he was like coming up from the sunken place for just a minute, because he loves and cares for his brother. Mm -hmm. And then, then... Went right back to his quote-unquote normal self, I guess. Mm -hmm. 
And then Tom was like, all right, well, I got to go now. There's a meeting for the full members I got to be at. You guys have fun. And that left both Jake and myself. <laughs> oh, man. It was, it, was, it was a rough moment emotionally. Just then, Marco, Rachel, and Cassie are there having fun playing games. He walks up to them, and Marco says, All right, Jake, I admit I was wrong. There's nothing suspicious here, just people having fun. Tom's not a controller, <laughs> after all. And Jake's like, Oh, no, I've changed my mind. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, you were right the, the whole abyss, time. And I saw it in my brother's eyes. Oh. That's got to be rough. So Jake is finally starting to come to terms with the fact that his brother's a controller. I mean, it's been 14 minutes. It's been quite the journey. Well, he's still not, like, convinced in his heart. I think he doesn't want this to be true. And Cassie is a bit of an intuitive one. She notices all the the subtleties going on that make things seem weird, like how the full members are being too nice and too helpful, and they're acting too normal like they're a little a little too wrath. And and that's what makes them abnormal, is that they're so normal. She points out how their eyes kind of follow them around everywhere, and there's a real Stepford vibe going on here. That's usually also how eyes just work. Well, true, true. <laughs> uh described as being following them around like hungry dogs. But yeah, they do people do tend to look. You are correct there. I'm people just... do look at things with their eyes, yep. generally speaking. But so, I guess the people that they're sharing are very open about what level they are at, since Cassie, as an outsider, is like, oh, the more senior members are doing X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 blah. Wait, what? Cassie said, the more senior members, or whatever. Well, no, I think it's just a matter of the fact that she can see the people that are acting this like abnormal and she could tell like oh those are the the senior members they're the people that have been taken over like the normal (laughs) recruits that are just playing volleyball and having fun i don't think are there yet got it the potential right which leads me to my uh related media recommendation for the week is the 1975 film stepford wives it this scene just reminded me a lot of that like things are so normal they're abnormal uh so if you haven't seen uh, stepford wives uh, check it out jake has a plan to turn into homer again to try to infiltrate the meeting so homer doesn't have to be there for him to turn now that it's like in his memory bank right he's 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 got that saved file got it he's got that for good tobias uh swoops down lands on a lifeguard chair and they're like tobias can you can you tell us where they're meeting and he's like, are you kidding? With these eyes, I can see anything. Even all those sweet, plump, little, delicious mice running around. Aww. Right. Why'd you have to make it weird? I, I, I think that's Tobias's role in life in general at this point. I don't like it. He tells them where the full members are meeting. And they're like, Tobias, you've been in that body for about an hour now. You should maybe switch back. Oh my god, he's going to get stuck forever. <laughs> Wait, do you really not remember already figuring that out? No. <laughs> oh, honey. You're like, you have full-on uh, Finding Dory syndrome, and I love it. I know. I feel like I'm doing this podcast with the main character from Memento sometimes. <laughs> I don't have any tattoos for reminding <sighs> me of things that happened in the last episode. But Tobias yes. is like... <laughs> yeah. 
Tobias is like, no, guys, I'm good. I'm just going to keep flying around a little longer. Nothing bad could possibly happen to me if I stay as oh a bird for, for longer. You know. He's going to be a fucking hawk. Yeah. Jake is like, fucker, morph back now. Tobias whines about it, how much he hates morphing back. He says he hates why not is, having wings. Why is Tobias six and everyone else is like 14? Well, to to answer your question, I I he doesn't have the best home life. He doesn't have doesn't make any friends. No, but he, he does specifically say that turning back into a human makes him feel as if he's going into a prison. Because when he's a hawk, he's free to fly around and really be free. I get it, but you're really going to be in prison when you can only be a hawk for the rest of your life, buddy. Or is that true freedom? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's almost probably going to kill you pretty yeah. fast. Tobias reluctantly more speck into a human, while Jake, on the other hand, morphs into a dog. Homer. Yes! Ten points for Gryffindor! Cassie reminds Jake to keep his human side in control and not to let his dog instincts take over. Mm. And Jake immediately does the exact opposite. This is the, the foreshadowing that happens like two <laughs> words before is getting to me. Yeah, his senses just get overwhelmed. He starts running after a chipmunk, digging holes. But his human brain finally kicks in. And he's like, I have to walk over towards the meeting. I feel like Homer is like our dog Bruno. Yeah, yeah. Four seconds of memory and seven brain cells. Well, I, I know I commented on this before, uh, but I'll, I'll say it again and again. I love, love, love that they wrote in how they get the animal's instincts as well. Mm -hmm. It would have been so easy to just be like, they, they, they're human intellects in animal form and not doing that just adds a level of depth to it that I, I really appreciate. Anyway, Jake is now in Homer's form and he knows he has to stay away from Tom because Tom might recognize Homer. So he's doing his best just to act like a stray dog on the beach. <laughs> okay. What? It's just, it's just funny to me that it's like, I'm going to act differently so my brother doesn't recognize his family dog <laughs> on the beach. Like... What is that logic? Well, he's going to stay away from Tom so Tom doesn't see him. Okay. But he's going to try to not act suspiciously for, like, anyone else around. Like, he wants to act like I, a dog. I, but I also feel like a dog not trying to act suspiciously is going to look really <laughs> Yeah, it really is. Uh, that's my favorite. I, I just imagine him, him in, like, a trench coat and sunglasses yeah. peeking from behind a newspaper. That, that actually reminds me of our foster Gladys, like, the only time... We, like, yell and get worried about her is, mm -hmm. like, when we can't hear her doing something. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, yeah. She's asleep. Nothing's uh -oh. been destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> huh? He couldn't see uh, the people really well in the full meeting, but he could hear them incredibly well as a dog. I love how all of them have one sense. Uh, oh, he, he talks about a sense of smell as well. Okay. But he enough. talks about how, like, um, the, the vision of a dog is, like, something like uh, like watching an old broken TV uh, but he hears Tom's voice saying, oh, there he is, here he comes, and feet rustle, and people start to come to attention, and he hears a voice that he recognizes. It's the same voice that was at the construction site that commanded the hork to kill him. Uh, hork are one of the alien races, Sean. Yeah, I remember oh, okay, that. Okay, just check. I remember that. So he crept in to take a look at this familiar voice to see who it was. Is it Principal whoever? Oh, my God. 
I have it written in my notes right here. Have Shawnee guess who it is. Clues. Group of teens set in 90s who is always the bad guy. It's the principal. It's the principal. I didn't even have to prompt you. I love that. Of course it's the principal. That was amazing. Uh, well, technically, okay, it's the assistant principal. I have seen the faculty. So right, I right. Had, I had an idea. Or, or Buffy yeah, or... Um, literally any movie made between 1981 and 1994. Yeah. I don't think the principal is a bad guy in Buffy. I think he was just a dick. But um, yeah, we I, I didn't know assistant principals were a thing. We just had one principal, and she was a, a terrifying four-foot nun. Yeah, well, that was like all of your faculty. Yeah, well, no, some of them were like Wait, five foot. pop quiz. Yes. Best TV or high school principal in villainy. In villainy? Yeah. Oh, um, easy. The mad scientist from Clone High. Oh, no, no, no. It's Madame Trunchbull from Matilda. Yeah. Or Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter. Headmaster. Headmistress. I'm... Oh. Well, the principal, again, principal from The Breakfast Club wasn't really a villain. He was also just kind of a dick. Yeah. But Principal Chapman is his name. Says, we've got a fast car. I've got a ticket. Oh, see, you're not laughing because you're yawning. That's okay. Principal Chapman says, our top priority, we need to find these kids from the construction site. Visser 3 wants them. Anyone have any clues? They're literally right there. Right? Right under your nose. But so the principal didn't see them at the site. He knew that there were some teens there, but he didn't get a good look at them apparently, yes. He's a terrible principal. A good principal would always know. (laughs) Is that... is that... Tom's brother? Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Um, Jake hears Tom speak up and says, it might be the one that's my brother, Jake. (laughs) Wait. Well, what is that sentence? It might be the human who is my brethren. Yeah, basically. Yeah, he's an alien. It might be the one that's my brother, Jake. I know. It's just like such a funny way of wording that. Uh, If you're like an alien... Like, what's he going to say? Oh, it's my brother? It's not really his brother. It's the the one who is the brother of the host. I know. Yeah. It's just clunky and funny. It, it is a bit of it. a... You're, no, you're, you're correct. But it makes sense. It is, it is, though. It is a clunky sentence phonetically. He said, I know he goes through the construction site sometimes. That's why I brought him here tonight. So we can either make him one of us or kill him. Oh, no. Did t- anyone tell Tom that these are the only two options? Because I feel like he would have stayed home. What's that? Oh, tell Jake. Oh, sorry. Got it. Yeah. No, Jake was there under the premise of night volleyball and barbecue. Do not think that it was night either... Night volleyball and barbecue sounds like a Liz Lemon vacation. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> well, this, this hits Jake like a punch in the stomach. He now fully realizes his brother's gone. Right? This whole past year, whenever he thought he was talking to his brother... He was talking to an alien. His brother's a yerk. The principal's a yerk. The cops are yerks. Everything seems pretty hopeless to him. Now, Shawnee, how long do you think it would take for you to realize if I were actually a yerk controller? Ooh, that's a good question. I feel like not that long because I think that a controller would try to keep the house in order because he would assume that things are things have places and they would never ask me where things are that's just a dead giveaway mm. 
Yeah. I think it would take me a while because you're generally just pretty emotionless and hard to read. Yeah. In general. It's and honestly handy for multiple yeah, reasons. Yeah. <laughs> this next part hit me pretty hard. Personally, Jake says that at this point, hearing his brother's voice, if he were a human, he would have given into despair. But since he was a dog, the happy, hopeful mind of a dog is what saved his life at that moment. What if your dog is depressed? I don't think there's such thing in this book. Like, there's a second time he's a dog, and maybe it's just Homer, but he's like talking about how it was all just like excitement and, and, and joy. Mm. For a while, after hearing this, he just let go of his human side and let himself drift away in dog consciousness. Wow, that doesn't seem like a really great survival technique. No, no, it doesn't. He said he didn't have to think. He would just wander around as a dog and smell things. But after a while... Jake, have you heard of drugs? No, right. No, and I, I'm going to get to that. <laughs> um, after a while, he focuses back onto reality. Uh, he's not really paying most much attention to what's happening because he's so shaken about the new... Shook? Shooken? Shaken? Shaken? Shaked? Shaked? Distraught about the uh, news that, that, that Tom is definitely a controller. Uh, he heard Tom talking to some other controller about how he just hit up the Yerk pool and he'll be heading back on Monday night. Mm. He is distracted when he hears Cassie's voice. She's talking to the policeman from earlier. He tells her uh, to get out of here. This is a meeting for the full members. Go back with her friends. And she does not say, am I being detained, officer? <laughs> she goes and Jake runs and pounces up to her. Uh, she said she was there to make sure he was okay, and they all go and join up together. Jake is not doing a good job of being inconspicuous. Well, not at this point, no. Uh, but he just got some, like, really uh, rough news. And he said uh, he was tempted for a moment to not morph back into his human body because he knew if he just drifted off again that his dog brain would take over and he'd forget why his human brain was so sad. And this gave him kind of a better understanding of why Tobias was so hesitant to turn back, because being an animal is a great way to forget about your troubles. Fair enough, but also lose everything else in your life. Yeah, and I was, like, debating whether bringing this up on the podcast or not, but, like, just as someone in recovery, holy fuck did this hit me hard. Mm. Like, yes, I relate to you, Jake. <laughs> I get the, the, the temptation to make one fucked up horrible decision that would destroy your life just to escape how you're feeling at that very moment. Like, been there, done that. Yeah, I feel like teenagers also should not be given the ability to morph because it's like they're a different person every four hours. Yeah, they're already in yeah. such a state of, like, what's my identity? Exactly. This isn't going to help them. No. Like, what are the long-term psychological ramifications of this on know. their personal development? I don't know. I really hope that there is a gaggle of doctors following them and monitoring their de development. Oh, that would be a, that would be a, a great service. Uh, a group of therapists specifically reaching out to Animorphs. <laughs> well, this is not the kind of stuff I expect from, you know, what is a children's book. Like, I would have continued with this podcast if the book sucked. I mean, hell, I probably would have enjoyed that even more. But I just wasn't expecting them to be, like, th this good. Like, I'm really enjoying reading them. Hmm. So Jake tells the gang what happens. Uh, he tells them about Tom, about Principal Chapman, uh, how he was at the construction site. Apparently they're safe for the moment because... 
Chapman told the controllers not to kill anyone. They don't want to have any suspicious activities being related to the sharing site. Uh-huh. But it is just a matter of time until they find these kids and can kill them. So the principal is the main controller in charge of the other controllers. He's a leader. He's a higher up. Yes. Okay, got it, got it, got it. But he's not a prince ding-dong. He reports to Visser 3. Okay. So I would see him as like... I was just going to make an army analogy, but I just realized I don't know how they work either. He is a Michael Scott. He's a regional manager. I would say he's more of a Dwight Schrute. A beet farmer. To the Michael Scott. Assistant (laughs) assistant to the Visser 3. Assistant to the Visser (laughs) 3. So Marco's like, I told you guys, like it's just five teenagers against... Tom, Principal Chapman, the cops, Vistra 3, the Taxons, the Hork-Bajir. You know, we can't do this. Marco does not want to continue in this fight, still. Marco, I'm with you. This seems like a bad idea. But Jake says he's got to find a way to save Tom. I'm with Jake. Honestly, Tom is a cop. He can go fuck himself. (laughs) I don't care. Let him die. You don't even know Tom. You only know your controller, Tom. Yeah, but he's a cop. Maybe Tom's a great guy. I mean, he chose to be a cop. That tells me a lot. Tom's not a cop. Is he not? Why did you think Tom's a cop? I don't know. He's a high school basketball player. There's another <laughs> character that's a cop. <laughs> Maybe. Are you okay? No, absolutely not. Or did not. you let your your dog brain go for a little bit? I think so. I'm sorry. It might be. It's Bruno here. Jeez. <laughs> Wait, why did I think that Tom was a cop? I was like fully convinced. Do you have a friend, Tom, that's a cop? No. Yeah, it makes no sense. I, I've been like maybe for two episodes. Maybe because he's part of an organization that like brutalizes people and covers things up yeah maybe that's mm. it the vibes are there <laughs> as the meeting of the full members breaks up uh jake pulls cassie aside and tells her that he needs a morph that'll help him spy on chapman he asks what has she got at the farm clinic vet zoo that might help him out literal petting zoo <laughs> cassie smiles and says how small of an animal do you think we could morph into? Do not choose a fruit fly. Someone's gonna put out, like, Dawn and apple cider vinegar, <laughs> and you're gonna die. She says she has something that's fast. It could climb walls. It's small. It can see and hear okay. But it's not a patient at the clinic. It's just something that lives there. Which is how Jake ends up at the barn later on, on his hands and knees, looking for lizards. <laughs> Did it say he can fly? He did not. So oh, he could, okay. Is <laughs> fast and can climb walls. Oh, got it, got it. See, that Monday, Jake morphs into his second morph, a green, is it a gnoll or a nole? I have no a idea. Green, oh, he's a green lizard in the iguana family, and he goes into his locker to do this morph in school. Someone is going to drive over him when he's crossing the street. Well, he's in his school, in his locker. So it'd be hard to cross the street. No, I know, but like in general, like I feel like that's just kind of a dangerous morph to have. I can see the downsides, like you are very vulnerable in that form, but I could see the plus sides as well, the benefits, like being able to listen in on Principal Chapman. Uh, See, once the bells ring and the halls are empty, he crawls in his locker and transforms. I don't know why he doesn't go like to the fucking bathroom, but (laughs) I guess the locker makes sense. How does... uh, uh fully grown teenage boy fit into the locker uh as someone who was shoved into lockers on multiple occasions and was a big teenager i not not that hard Mm. did Uh, the nuns put you in the locker (laughs) they did not 
They just hit me with rulers. Mm. So he's morphing, and suddenly the locker gets bigger and bigger around him. Uh, he described it as slowly falling from a skyscraper. There's a wad of gum at the bottom of his locker that once he's transformed, seems like a boulder to him. Uh, his shoes were there, but they were the size of houses now. I feel like the proportions don't quite match, but I'm all like... Yeah, yeah. And like they mentioned like how big the Nike swooshes are, and I'm like, oh, a little product placement. wonder how much <laughs> Nike paid Except to get in this Animorphs you, book. If you tried that, Nike would immediately sue you. You think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you just mention them... Isn't that like free advertising? No, I don't think so. Usually you can't do brand name things. Yeah, there's a few in this one. His clothes come falling down around him, and the lizard brain kicks in and says, Trap, 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 need to run, run. Oh my god, is this a prequel to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? I, I, that, oh my goodness, that would be interesting if they like <laughs> ran into each other. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he'd eat them. Now, he starts running around trying to escape, but he's fighting to keep control over the lizard brain. The lizard's panicked, but he's trying to get the animal to go up into the, the, the ventilation slits where the light's coming from. Okay. So he ends up outside the locker, and he discovers all these different sensations. Like he can taste the air with his tongue, and now he has eyes on the side of his head that are facing different directions. Mm-hmm. So it's all very disorienting. What would be your favorite part of being a lizard? I think suction cup toes would be pretty cool. I mean, why why do I have to choose just one? I think it would I'm all asking. be so cool. It would, it would just be rad. Uh, I guess, I don't know if the specific lizard can do the color changing thing. I think just being cold-blooded would be weird. Right. Yeah. But then you couldn't wrap yourself up into a, a blanket. Maybe hanging from the tail, having a huge long tongue. I feel like you don't know what lizards are. I bet you'd like if I had a huge long lizard tongue. (laughs) So he's trying to control the lizard, and he gets it to go towards Chapman's office. And he just can't believe how fucking fast he's going. He's flying like a missile. Yeah. Sorry. I just, that's it. I imagine that's what his feet sound like when he runs in the hallway. Yeah. I bet everyone listening to this in their car at full volume is very grateful that you added that sound effect. That was um, that loud. But everything's going just fine until he senses the spider. Uh-oh. Without any thought, he takes off after it. As his lizard body is running after the spider, his human mind is going, No, 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 no. Don't do this. But his tongue shoots out. Mouth is closed. Spider's in his mouth. It's still alive. Actively uh, trying to get uh, out, poking uh, its no, legs no, out of no, his mouth, trying no, to escape, no, and he's clamping stop. his mouth closed uh, around it. I feel like I was spider in my trope now. And the lizard instincts forced him to swallow it down. Wow. Yeah. He really doesn't have a lot of agency here, huh? Well, he's well. That it's it's a struggle. It's a fight. I understand that. It's but about I think, balance. Isn't it funny that he did, he didn't have that much trouble controlling the dog, but he has way more trouble controlling the lizard no it isn't actually i get that because some animals are more instinct based there's there's a difference in the brain i i can i can see that but yeah so he swallows this spider and he's so grossed out he's about to abort the mission and turn back into a human but the ground starts shaking around him Uh looks up and sees a huge shadow in the sky a giant the size of a a skyscraper 
and a shoe comes down and lands right on his tail. He's trapped. He's going to get smushed. So he's panicking. He tries to run, and he's off. Mm -hmm. His tail still behind him, under the shoe, wriggling around like a worm. The giant continues forward. See, it wasn't trying to step on him. It didn't even realize he was there. His vision's not great, but he looks, he thinks it's Chapman, so he's really willing this lizard body to follow Chapman. He's trying not to think about the still-alive spider wriggling around in his tummy, uh-huh. or that a huge part of his body is still off on the floor behind him, also wriggling around. He's just racing after Chapman. Got it. See, the plan was to hang out in Chapman's office near his desk to listen to him make phone calls, but instead... Chapman doesn't go in his office. He goes into the janitor's closet. Ooh. He goes inside, locks the door behind him, and Jake's right on his tail. He twists a hook that they use for changing mops, and a secret doorway opens. Ooh. Where there's a stairway leading down into an area pretty much full of strange sounds, scents, and he hears screams of pain and despair. Wow, the insulation must be really good so that the students didn't hear that just on a regular day. Right? And Chapman heads down these stairs, and Jake just realized he found the location of the Yerk Pool. Wow. It's right under the school. Amazing. It's like the Hellmouth being on t- underneath the school in Buffy. It is exactly like the <laughs> Hellmouth being right under Sunnydale. Yeah, I... I, I don't, and. And as I read that, I'm like, oh, of course, I, that makes sense. Again, children, like teenagers, 90s, like, yes, the, the, the gates Everything of hell. Everything happens at the high school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he meets up with everyone else that evening. They meet at the mall. They figure that'd make them look less suspicious because that's, you know, normal God, teen thing cut, to do. Do not cut through the construction site again. No shit, right? Oh, fool me once. Cassie was really shaken by Jake's story. Uh, Rachel was enraged. Uh, and Marco, again, just doesn't want to interfere. He thinks they should just, uh, you know, not put themselves in this kind of trouble. I feel like Marco is the only believable character in this book. I feel like Marco is the only non-believable character in this book. <laughs> How could you focus on anything, on living a life, if you know that, like, your entire planet is doomed? He's terrified. Yes, you're terrified, so you have to act and do something about it. Well, he doesn't know because he's in a panic freeze. Also, speaking of, of of kind of doing things in a panic, are we just going to skip over a fact that Jake lost a chunk of his body? Well, did he, like, lose or did the lizard lose? The lizard did, but, okay, so what happens when you transform back? Well, but if, you, if the original form of the thing that he transformed into was full, then he would, yeah, I don't know. Right. Like, okay, so now here's another one. I Can you lose a body part that you don't have? What if it's when you do, though? I mean, you do have it. It's yours when you morph. Like, that's... A, 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 a X percent of his body mass is gone. He's able to regrow it. Where does... How? Lizards can regrow their Not tails. all lizards. Well, this one does. Yeah. And he won't... Do you know that? Or you're just saying that? I'm sticking with that as my argument. <laughs> well, and, so, like, okay, so let's say you're an animorph. You morph into a cow... You have someone chop your two hind legs off. Oh, I love you so much. You have someone chop your two hind legs off, morph back into a human. You're fully human again. Morph back into a cow, have them chop your legs off, repeat. 
free beef for life. I was literally going to say, like, wait, what are we doing with the meat, though? Because you could have a barbecue. That's what I'm saying. Free, you could feed the world with this technology as long as you're willing to continually morph and get body parts hacked off. I think we just solved world hunger. Yeah. <laughs> so Cassie, being, again, super empathetic, says that she understands where Marco's coming from. He's just worried about what would happen to his father if something happened to him. Whereas Jake points out, there's really no choice in the matter. He has to fight for Tom, his brother. He has to rescue Tom. Tobias says that he'll go for the Andalite. Rachel says that she's in too because when she thinks about it, there's no one else who can stop the Yerks except them. And Marco says, fine, he's in as well just to rescue Tom. But then he's out. No larger war for him. And then Cassie says something. Excuse me a moment. I have to open this bottle of Pepto-Bismol before I read this. Oh. So, I liked Cassie. Up until now. Okay. I can't believe I have to fucking say these words. Back in the old days, you know, the old... Oh, just fucking wait. This is garbage. You know, the old, old days, Africans, early Europeans, and Native Americans... They all believed that the animals had spirits. They'd call on the spirits of those animals to protect them from evil. They'd call on the fox to lend its cunning, the spirit of the eagle for its sight, the lion for its strength. Is this cultural appropriation? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's cultural pro- appropriation mixed in with, like, a lot of woo-woo bullshit, which yeah. I hate both. Even though we're using Andalite technology, we're still doing sort of the same thing. Good God. No, you're fucking not. Like, you're, it's, it's, it's technology, not magic. I'm sorry. Anyway, Marco points out they're just five kids fighting an alien army. Marco, how many times are you going to say that? And who, who would you place your bet on? And Cassie says, hang on, keep drinking so you could do an actual spit take. <laughs> Cassie says, we're fighting for Mother Earth. <laughs> and she's got some tricks up her sleeve. Oh, my God. Cassie's the kind Cassie, of person... Cassie should warm into an ant and never come back. Like, I feel like right now I know what Cassie smells like. She's the kind of person... I know what she's majoring in in college. Oh, yeah. Like, like it's not like, does she have crystals in her bedroom? It's how many does she have? No, no, no. I would even go further. It's like she's one of those people who uses crystals as deodorant. What do you think Cassie's first tattoo is going to be? Ooh, it's probably going to be like a horribly offensive, culturally appropriated henna tattoo in the wrong place. I was going to go for the coexist bumper sticker on the inner (laughs) arm. We're fighting for Mother Earth. Marco rolls his eyes at her uh, almost as hard as I did. And says, oh, I guess we should all go out and buy Birkenstocks and hug some trees. Who is paying for these footwear ads <laughs> in Animorphs? Maybe we K- got two maybe, in a row now. Maybe K.A. Applegate is just like a really big yeah. Birkenstock. Hey, K.A., if you're hearing this, quit being a shill for big footwear. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Rachel. Although I will take some free Birkenstocks if Birkenstock is listening. Yes. They are very comfortable shoes. This episode brought to you by... Uh, Rachel very reasonably points out that all they have in their arsenal are a cat, a dog, a lizard, a hawk, and a horse. Well, how about you go to the freaking wildlife petting zoo menagerie and 
Fondle a dragon. Right? They're going to do one better. They're going to go to the zoo to acquire some DNA from some heavy hitters. And Cassie says, Rachel's right. We're going to need some help from Mother Earth's toughest children. Oh my God, take a drink every Shut time. Shut the fuck up, Cassie. Mother yeah, Earth. stop talking forever. Ugh. Cassie's mom mentions that they could use her mom's employee discount to get in. Because <laughs> her mom, her mom, remember, is a vet, also works no, at the zoo. No, I, I know, I know, I know, but I love the fact that the mom is like, I love the fact that the mom is like, oh, you can use my employee discount to go to the zoo to fondle some animals. Okay, what is with your animal fondling <laughs> obsession? Because I think it's just funny that they have to touch the animal. Because there's like a weird exploitative thing. So English is your... Third language. Third language. Okay. I think after the podcast, you're going to have to look up fondling. I know, I know. But I'm intentionally saying it because it's weird. Because I think the whole premise of this show, show this book is very weird. Yeah, no shit, you think? I understand, but I, I'm sticking with fondling. So she says, yeah, we could use my mom's uh, employee discount. Marco says, oh, we could just get in for free if we tell them we're animorphs. Or you just send Tobias out, out there at night as a hawk and you don't have to worry about any of this. Honey, just that, he just said the title, the title of the book. I don't care. It's exciting when someone says the title. It's the titular line. It is cheap and lazy. And uh, Marco says, yeah, is there going to be some kind of invasion? No, I'm kidding. But yeah, he says, oh, we could tell more Animorphs. Rachel's like, what? Marco responds, you know, idiot teenagers with a death wish. <laughs> and I can see why they went with Animorphs as the title for the series. Because I, I can't see idiot teenagers with a death wish selling quite as well at Scholastic Book Fairs. Tipper Gore would have put a stop to that I, Yeah, yeah. I think I, I wouldn't have seen that in my Catholic school. Um, I mean, you wouldn't have seen any of this at your Catholic yeah. school because this is blasphemous from top to oh. bottom. Uh, well, they don't actually read the books they burn. Um, oh, fair enough. But Jake, uh, Jake says, Animorphs. And uh, sounds pretty good to his ears. <laughs> I just want to real quick say, I am so proud of Rachel for coming up with this idea because as I'm reading this is what they should have done since day one this is the very first thing they should have done you go download as much DNA as possible so you have options right it's like you're playing a video game you you have to like slowly upgrade your weapons but here they have the opportunity to just get all the weapons yeah. in one go come yeah. on and there's no reason to rush any of this there's no reason to rush to save Tom you know where he goes for your spa day you know exactly what his schedule it is. Go practice morphing some more first. And you know what? Find like a dart frog or a brown recluse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but they live in like Ohio. How many brown recluses are our about? But, but, but do that first. Put Saving Tom and Saving the World on the back burner before you you're, you're, get capable to do it. First. Turn into a mosquito. Give people malaria. <laughs> Think about it. Find a hippo, find a yak, some big indestructible ones. The more powers they have to summon in their Rolodex, the better. I think that's... If I were an Animorph, very first thing I'd be focusing on... Like, you guys have fun. I'm going to spend, like... Andalites will be back in a year. Yurks are taking over. All right, give me six months. Six months um, at most. I'm going to go just, as you would say, fondling all of the animals. <laughs> okay, so here I have two questions. 
One, if you went to, like, the Museum of Natural History in New York, let's say, and then you touched, like, the dinosaur skeletons, could you morph into dinosaurs? That is an excellent question. Is there DNA in the bones? Yeah, I think Well, okay, so if you want to get super nerdy, the answer would be no, because most dinosaur skeletons on display are not actually the dinosaur skeletons. They are molds made from the bones of the skeleton that they keep in the back in storage. Oh, I bet you did not know that. No, yeah. I, did, I did know that. But, like, I went to a dinosaur museum in uh, Montana, and they have, like, strict, like, legit bones out. Right. That's how you should be thinking. Okay. So, fair enough. So, you could, like, morph into Jurassic Park. Really fuck shit up. There's no electric fences to stop you. And I forgot my second question. Great. <laughs> so, they start to go in, and Tobias, the to whiny little six-year-old... Sorry, yeah, they start to go to the zoo. Tobias, the whiny little six-year-old, says, I don't need another form. I'm happy with just my hawk. Oh, my God, we get it. Right. Rachel sensibly points out how fucking stupid this is. He has nothing to gain, or he has nothing to lose from gaining other morphs. I really like Rachel. She is not just my favorite character so far. She is head and shoulders above the rest. Mm -hmm. Tobias is whiny. Marco's selfish. Jake's a fucking idiot, and Cassie's just the embodiment of everything I don't like in a person, <laughs> whereas Rachel is making these really good decisions. So looking forward to uh, a Rachel book. I hope I get one of those soon. What happens now is both the longest chapter in the book, uh, three times longer than any chapter, and also the most... Uh, the least interesting chapter. Uh -huh. So I'm going to be incredibly liberal in summarizing this chapter. I feel like the pacing in the book has been great so far. And then the zoo chapter happens. Uh -huh. And it's incredibly boring. So I'm going to get through this quickly. I can't wait for this montage. So they go in and there's one bit where uh, Rachel... Okay, I, I love Rachel, but she says... Um, so this is the area where they give the animals their meds. Sorry, meds means medicine. Right, that was in the book. I'm like, Rachel, how stupid do you think your friends are? And then I'm like, oh, they are. They They're are. all pretty stupid, especially Jake. Okay. But they go back, and Cassie introduces them to Big Jim. Big Jim is a gorilla. He's new to the zoo. And uh, Cassie says he's very gentle. Jake uh, uses some reverse psychology to get Marco to agree to approach Big Jim. And Rachel gives Marco an apple to give him. Uh, Big Jim very gently, delicately takes the apple. Marco touches him on the wrist. Big Jim, kill him. <laughs> well, it's funny. Tobias is there like, wow, he could just rip you the fuck apart, Marco. Yeah. And Marco's like, hey, um, maybe not while I'm trying to focus and acquire this, this oh DNA. Maybe don't. But he, he does. And Marco doesn't morph, but he acquires his first DNA. He downloads it. He doesn't open he, the file. He, sure. Uh, he right-clicked a save as. Mm -hmm. uh, security guard chases them. They split up, because that always goes so well for them. The guard ends up chasing Marco and Jake. They steal a golf cart. They take off, open a door, run through. This is the worst montage I've ever witnessed. Wait for my next sentence. End up in an exhibit with a 10-foot-long Siberian tiger. Oh, of course. That's Lots not that of big muscles. for a tiger, right? I'm sorry, what? That's not that big for a tiger, is it? 10 feet? Mm-hmm. I think 10 foot's big for any fucking animal. Mm. Like, if you're a 10-foot animal, you're big. Okay, we'll tell that to the giant uh, whales. The blue whales. If, if I see a whale and it's 10 feet, that's a big animal. 
Yeah, but they're supposed to be like three times longer than that. Yeah, great. They're even bigger. Huh? Jake has his first good idea in the book uh, when they find themselves confronted by this giant tiger. You see, remember how acquiring DNA causes the animals to go into a trance briefly? Mm-hmm. He uses that to escape. He touches the tiger and concentrates. The tiger's breathing slows, and then they run towards the ladder. They're just about home free, but, uh, oh yeah, there's another tiger in the exhibit. Of course. But they end up climbing the ladder, getting out just in time, security cards still chasing them, they head towards a crowd, blend in with the crowd, and who do they bump into? This or three. No, not at all. <laughs> Rachel, Tobias, and Cassie, they're all in the crowd. That would be weird if they were just an Andalite. If you're just, like, on holiday taking pictures, like, just like, ooh, look at that one over there. I'm just trying to show off that I remember. I okay. could see him with a camera. But, uh, no, Rachel, Tobias, and Cassie are all in the crowd. They went on acquiring other morphs without any problems, while Jake and Marco... So uh, wait, all of this died. is happening while the zoo is open, and there's like crowds watching them, like getting into the gr- gorilla. They were enclosure. like, watch them get out, but no, no, they were like behind the scenes. Again, this okay. is a boring, horrible chapter, so I'm I'm summarizing it. But okay. they they do this. Uh, Marco and Jake tell the others about the dangerous situation they were in, and Rachel tells them that any danger they face that day is nothing compared to the danger they'll face tomorrow night. Well, how would you know, Rachel? I mean, because they're going to the, the, the York Pool. That's, yeah, but pretty... they've never been to the York Pool before. I feel like there's a lot of conjecture. You think the York Pool could just be, like, nice? Well, what if it is? What if there's, like, a peach bubble bath? I mean, the Yorks go there every few days to recharge. They might have, like, a mani Petty. There's, there's definitely, like, eucalyptus-scented like... towels. Yeah, yeah, like a massage. Uh-huh, with happy endings. <laughs> oh, you took it there. There you go. Uh, well, uh, we're going to finish up there today, Shani. Uh, what did you think of the three out of hopefully only four <laughs> parts? I think we're going to really try to wrap it up next episode, even if we go long. Uh, I don't, at first, I'm like, oh, there's only 65 books. Are we going to have a podcast that's only 65 episodes? And then I'm like, oh, no, we love to talk. And I love to dwell on details. This is going to be we're going to be on, we'll on be air fine. for a while. Um. I'm just kind of disappointed with how these kids are acting. Like, they've decided that they are going to be the saviors of the world from the York invasion, but they are putting zero thought into it. I feel like I would feel the responsibility to actually, like, put some kind of a strategy together before you start, like, barging into gorilla enclosures. Right, right. I do take note. I, I'm sorry, I do take issue with what you said about them deciding they're going to save the world. Like, they were put in this situation. They didn't ask for it. Well, Marco was asking not to. <laughs> Just giving up is is the answer? It feels like it's a lot less work. It, it, would, it would be easier. <laughs> it would be easier to let the Yerks take over. But fortunately, four out of five of our team does not share your, your defeatist view of this invasion. Look, Tobias is about to become... Absolutely no help. Well, spoilers. Um, But excellent. Well, thank you, Shawnee, for joining me today. Mm -hmm. And uh, thank you to the listeners. Please uh, send us your thoughts and feedback at circleyerk at gmail.com. Check out our website, uh, circleyerk.ninja. And um, hope to see 
some comments uh, on the uh, episode release post on r slash Animorphs. Anything you want to add before we wrap up, Shani? I am terrified and concerned about the number of people who will listen to this podcast because I feel like it's going to be four or 40,000. There's no in between. Yeah, yeah. So, until next time. I'm excited, yeah. Uh, finally, I'd like to thank Benedict Cupstis for our uh, theme song for writing and recording our theme song please uh, after this episode is done uh, if you haven't already check out his music at fieldguides.bandcamp.com and uh, until next week see you then bye